For this episode of the Printmakers Podcast, I interview Joanne Price of Starpoint Studio. You find out more about her work, what she's done, and where her work has taken her now. So if you want to go find out more information about her work, you can go to starpointstudio.com. And that's starpoint with an E, studio. Com, and we'll have links in the description to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram profiles. You can also go to our website, bgprintmakers.org, and also follow us on social media at bgprintmakers. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello, my name is Steven, and this is the Bluegrass Printmakers Podcast, also known as the Printmakers Podcast. And today, my guest is Joanne Price of Starpoint Studios. Welcome, Joanne. Thank you very much, Stephen. And so today, we're just talking about printmaking, um, because if you search on iTunes, there's a lack of printmaking uh, podcasts. And so I thought I would fill in the gap and create an awesome podcast for printmakers. And so I'm going to talk to Joanne today about printmaking and kind of what her process is, what she likes to do, and what she's got going on. And so I'll just jump right in. Uh, Joanne, um, so how did you get involved with printmaking and what, yeah, we'll start with there. What are you? How do you get involved in printmaking? Um, I learned printmaking at Buffalo State College, where I went to undergrad. Nice. Uh, I believe it was my second semester that I took my first printmaking class, and it was a class in wood engraving, so relief printmaking. Okay. um, With Frank Eckmer. And um, you know that process in drawing where you darken the sheet with charcoal and use an eraser to draw? Right. That was something that was kind of my language. Mm -hmm. So printmaking and relief printmaking specifically Mm -hmm. kind of spoke to me in that way. And it just kind of stuck with me. And I was a printmaking or a painting major initially. And I ended up switching to printmaking because I thought, well, I have access to this equipment and I won't after I graduate. So Mm -hmm. I could paint anytime I want. So I'm just going to do printmaking. Yeah, that's that was me, too. I, I was a painting person and then. I took stone litho, and that just changed my world, and so that's amazing. Um, we have that in common. Um, so you went to undergrad in Buffalo, and what type of printmaking classes did you take? Like, what was the one that stood out for you? Um, relief printmaking, for mm-hmm. sure, but I, we did etching, mm-hmm. and we did litho, we did not really have screen printing in oh, my undergrad, okay. but um, but yeah, so I I did all of the processes and really enjoyed the relief printing process, especially wood engraving. Oh yeah. And then I graduated and worked in a commercial print shop and a commercial book bindery, and um, decided that I did not want to do that for the rest of my life, <laughs> and ended up going to grad school at the University of Minnesota. Right, right. What was it about it that, if you don't mind me asking, like, what was it about it that you didn't like that you kind of saw that? In commercial printing? Yeah, in commercial printing. Um, 
It's kind of a grind. Right. I think, <laughs> you know, like you go, it's the, the 8 it's, to 5.30 grind, and you're kind of low person on the totem pole, mm-hmm. and you're, it's not about the quality of the work, it's about the quantity, mm-hmm. which always bothered me. Because I wanted to do a really good job, and I wanted to do the best job I could, but they didn't really care. They just said, no, you need to do it faster. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I decided that, no. Have to break free. Don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's part of the nature of the beast. And um, I guess it's what pays the bills at times. But then you you get to a point where you're just like, you only get the one life. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, it was interesting, though. I yeah, mean, we yeah. did. We had a, a probably one of the really early digital printing setups where oh, we were scanning wow. pages in and then printing them off on a docutech instead of a, which is just a giant photocopier. Oh, nice. And um, so they were also doing offset printing, which would be the traditional way you would do books, but mm-hmm. the particular area I was working in was the digital area. Oh, okay. Okay, that's awesome. And so, grad school in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And so, what was that experience like for you? Because was that like super freeing, where you just kind of like you were so ready to get back into grad school that you're in the studio all the time, and it was just like really amazing. Like, what was? I know it's kind of like trying to ask you to bring down the um, the experience in the grad school in like one sentence, which is probably like a loaded question. I don't but. know that I can do that. <laughs> but um, it, let's see. The first semester, maybe even the first year, because it was a three-year program. Right. Uh, I don't know. And I think probably a lot of people who do grad school probably feel a little bit lost. Like you're trying to find your footing mm-hmm. and in this new sort of context like because I had a body of work that I had done when I was an undergrad right and when I went into grad school you kind of are almost forced to reevaluate that and decide like oh is that how it goes forward or does it go forward in a different way and if it goes forward in a different way what does that look like yeah Yeah. and um, so it's challenging but in a really good way Mm -hmm. Um, and you experiment I think a bit more and once you have because now you have this some command of, a, of the medium, mm-hmm. and uh, right. you want to try and take it to the next level. So I, th- I feel like the first year was kind of all that. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to, like, you land there, and then you're like, oh, crap, what do I do now? A little um, bit, but it wasn't, yeah. oh, crap. It was kind of like, <laughs> oh, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. But I don't really know what I'm doing, <laughs> but I'm excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, the adventure, it is vast. Yeah. But you want to go on the journey, so um, that's amazing. And then from grad school, where did you go from there? Like, did you, was it more to, because you already kind of had, like, you go to, because me, I went to undergrad, I went to a screen printing company, and I got laid off. And I was like, well, daggone. And so you get that experience, and then you go to grad school, and like, yay. Mm-hmm. And so you look back, and you're like, I'm not going back to the day job grind. Right. And so for you, you 
after grad school, what did where did that take you? To <laughs> grinding <laughs> job again, <laughs> which I think a lot of people end up experiencing because when yeah. you come out of college, you or out of grad school, you have this higher degree right. first of all, but then you look for jobs in your field, mm-hmm. and that almost never happens right away. I think, um, so you apply to a bunch of teaching jobs, which is what I thought I wanted to do. Right. And um, I didn't get anything. But in the meantime, I can't just apply for jobs. I have to yeah. pay the bills. So, yeah, there's, there's uh, a house payment and there's like the apartment rent and there's... Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so I, I worked at Home Depot for like nine months. Yeah. And... Um, um, then I worked at a library for probably another, like, nine months. Well, I would say nine months total before I got a job in my field after grad school. Right. Which is actually not that bad. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I ended up being a print technician at the College of Visual Arts in St. Paul. Nice. Um, which was good. It was good. It was a, I was there for a year or two. And then I ended up getting a job at High Point Center for Printmaking, which nice. was kind of a coup. Like, that was really great. And um, so I had these two part-time jobs for a while, and then eventually I transitioned to full-time at High Point Center for Printmaking. And uh, I did all manner of things there. And it was like, that was kind of my postgraduate degree. Right. Like I learned more there than I could have possibly learned in school. Wow. That's so interesting because, um, yeah, you get to college and you're like, well, I'll just learn it all here. And there's just like some parts of it you can't learn until you get out in the real world. And um, what did you do at High Point? Um, I did a lot of different things. <laughs> yeah, that was like so many different things. I, like I uh, managed um, a this uh, Jerome Emerging Printmakers. So mm-hmm. there were three artists that would get like a year to work in the studio and then they had an exhibit afterwards. Right. Um, and I managed uh, their co-op artists. So there were, I think, 30-some 30 30 some plus artists that would work in the space. They would pay a monthly fee to mm-hmm. use the facility, much like the Bluegrass Printmakers. Right, right. And uh, so I would mm-hmm. often organize those guys. And I also... Um, the majority of my job actually was helping with the professional printing. So I would right. work with the master printer and in all manner of things. So sometimes I would be helping the interns tear down paper or directing them in some way. Sometimes I would be sponging for litho. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I would be helping with the screen printing. Some, And then what I did professionally in printing there was I did their um, ukiyo-e or the Japanese woodcut. Right. Uh, techniques, so I was kind of their uh, professional relief printer mm-hmm. for the shop. Wow. So that was all, wow, that's all manners of print shop. That's amazing. And I managed the gallery there. Oh, shoot. So that's like setting up, <laughs> curating shows, hanging shows, and wow, that's, yeah, full-time gig. Yeah. Legit. Uh, so after after grad, after your point at uh, High Point, mm-hmm. um how did you find your way back to, well, to Kentucky? Like, what brought you here? Because, um... Well, I actually ended up doing two years of work outside of High Point before I moved here. So okay. I worked for two years at the Minnesota Center for Book Arts. Okay. Um, and I also 
uh, taught at Augsburg College. Okay. Shoot. Legit. And so then uh, my husband got a job transfer, and that's what ended up bringing us uh, to Kentucky. Oh, wow. So that was a little over five years ago now. Wow. Hey. And so you kind of set up your own home studio mm-hmm. from your house, and you do letterpress, and also, I think the last time I was out there, you had, uh, you said you were going to try to do some setup for a little bit of, like, an exposure unit for screen, screen printing. Screen printing, yeah. But, yeah, that's still kind of in the works. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but it'll happen eventually. Right. So mainly it's, like, letterpress that you... Mainly, yeah, relief printing and book binding. Right. So I do... Um, like illustrations for Larkspur Press sometimes. Okay. I'm actually going to do some illustrations for the King Library Press at the University of Kentucky. Nice. And uh, I do book binding, so I've done book binding. We did a book at when I was working at Hound Dog Press for mm-hmm. the Dalai Lama. Whoa. Uh, which I bound, which was super fun. Nice. And uh, for one of the, the Browns at Brown Foreman, mm-hmm. I did a portfolio box, so... Yeah, I kind of get around and do a bunch of different stuff. Heck yeah, get it out there. That's amazing. The Dalai Lama. I know. Wow. <laughs> it was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, right about now, um, so you're teaching at UK, right? Right. Right. So um, that's what classes are you teaching at UK? Or I'm teaching their Introduction to Printmaking, which is a relief in screen printing class. Okay. So there are Legit. two sections of that. Very cool. Yeah. So we've been enjoying it so far? Yeah, like, it's good. Because you've already had teaching experience at Augsburg, right? Right. Like you said before. And so this is kind of like, even though it's a new place, you have your own kind of method of teaching and approaching printmaking. Yeah. Wow. That's that's really legit. Um what about, so I guess we can go into more about your work and your own personal, like, aesthetics theory. Mm-hmm. And what's, what are some themes that, um, that really inspire you and that's part of your, that kind of show up a lot in your work and how you approach uh, relief printmaking? Well, um, let's see. I could say that one of the things I like about the technique of wood engraving or just relief printmaking in mm-hmm. general is, well, one, it's a physical activity, right? which I like. Two, it's um, kind of meditative mm-hmm. uh, in a way that you kind of get focused in on this work. And especially with wood engraving, it's so small. So everything's kind of very intimate. Right. Um, and I like that because it gets me away from the computer. Yes. And, yes. uh, it's kind of my my quiet space, my quiet time, and um, just I mean the medium itself is really exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the vibrancy of the light being carved away, and uh, just kind of the light emerging from the darkness, I guess. Nice, yeah. That's um, does that take shape in your themes that you tackle in your work? I think it used to more than it does now. Right. No, it's just kind of, it's a tool that I use to create images. Right. Um, I think a lot of my work tends to be series. Mm-hmm. So um, I think some things that kind of pop up again and again are animals, mm-hmm. uh, which sounds just kind of lame. But <laughs> um, well, no, animals are fun. Like, Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I, I tend to, to represent them more than I would, say, 
people, right? Like figures, right. but not that I don't do them. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so I've done a series on um, animal terrorists where I started with the idea of um, you know way back in I don't know, let's see, two thousand four or so. Mm-hmm. There were there was the uh, bird flu. Right. Sort of scare, right. and this idea, and also like the anthrax. You know, after nine eleven, uh, there was a lot of everything became terrorism. Right, right. And so it was just kind of silly and strange. And thinking about like, okay, well, you know, there's all this terrorism, and then there's this bird flu. Well, isn't that kind of an animal terrorist? Like, how are people going to use? Because there was that scare about how people would use bioweapons, you know, like yeah. a virus to kind of, which is scary. I mean, it is scary. That's like legit. And there was that attack in London on the subway, and it was like, oh, my gosh. And then there was another one in Tokyo. And it's just, it's a very scary time to be alive at times. Like, it, there's a lot of weird people out there doing a lot of hateful things, and it's... Um, that's what, that's a weird, like, I thought, yeah, it's a weird name for a flu just to call it bird flu. Right. It's just, like, the animals are already scared of us, and now it's like the media is almost portraying this kind of like there's another level of danger that <laughs> comes from animals. Right. So I was taking that really serious idea, mm-hmm. and I was I was partially poking fun at it, but then also, like, yeah, I mean, that could be a real threat. Right. Uh, so, you know, one of the images that I did for the, um, you know, in relation to bird flu mm-hmm. was to have the image of a chicken and then the image in the shape of an egg right. sort of underneath it of, of what the actual bird flu looked like. Mm-hmm. I think I had changed the colors and everything, but just kind of this menacing egg that looked like it had spikes and stuff, and then call it chicken noodle flu. <laughs> so that it's kind of poking fun at that in, right. in a way that also it's still serious. Yeah. And I did a similar idea with, um, and just kind of a play on words too. So mm-hmm. I had one where there was a giant, you know, bird flu type cell, and within it were like dead ducks and. Um, uh, and then a little goose that was kind of off to the side, and I would call that like a terror cell, <laughs> you know. But, so it's just kind of playing around with some of that stuff. And um, there was one that I did for swine flu, right, right. Um, which was just kind of this really adorable looking pig that was just kind of floating within this kind of cell. <laughs> um, and you know, you use garish colors to kind of amp up that you know anxiety or that. Uh, like a terror alert orange, I guess, or yeah, or like a sickly green. Mm-hmm, right, know? right, right. Yeah. Uh, so I was doing those sort of things and looking at like different like epidemics, you know, mm-hmm. but that were related more to animals. So that also brought up ideas about you know our food source and how yeah. safe is that, and you know like do people really realize like how how that cross contamination is like where does the terrorist start come from really is it from our own you know, farms, or is it from the wild, or... So you kind of get that idea. Yeah, because, like, if a disease comes in an animal, we're just so dependent on processed foods that is diseases and flus and bacteria could easily be spread amongst the people just from all the, just, like you said, cross-contamination and 
There are food recalls all the time. Yeah, like all the time. It feels like there's more than the news can report, I feel like. like mm-hmm. um, it feels like every, like once a month at least, you go in the grocery store and they're like, don't buy this. And it's like, ooh. Yeah. Like it makes you just wonder, where are we getting our food from? <laughs> and um, it's just wild. Um, so at any rate, that's hmm. one series. And then another series, my most recent series, is... Uh, uh, a series of beneficial insects. So mm-hmm. having moved moved from an urban area out to a rural area, right. I um, experienced that kind of shift in uh, my actual landscape, but also just being surrounded by a totally different sort of situation where, you know, in the city, most people are pretty aware about, you know, climate change and right. about different chemicals like you know kind of what's quote healthy unquote for you and what isn't and um so moving out to a rural area where people may not be quite as familiar with some of those things and you know nothing against them it's just right right it's but it's strange to be <laughs> surrounded by fields where they're spraying, you know, chemicals uh, to help control both uh weeds and insects. And seeing the kind of devastation that that wreaks, that, and so, hmm. um, and also just when moving here, this is the first time, and this is the closest south I've ever lived. Oh, okay, right, right. The insects are so much bigger down here. <laughs> Super big. I think it's because this is the way we don't care about the environment. I feel like in the south as much mm-hmm. as other places, like. There are more insects. There's a ton more because I used to live, I lived in Portland, Oregon for about two years. And I was like, there's not that many insects out here. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a comparable amount, but not as many. And they're smaller. Mm -hmm. And like you said, like South is just like, they just got big old insects down here. Right. And it's just, I don't know why. (laughs) Well, it could also be too that now I'm living in a rural area. Mm -hmm. So there are more opportunity for me to run into different kinds of insects. And so I would see, you know, a particular kind of insects and I'd be like, wow, what is that thing? (laughs) Like, that looks so weird. And then I'd brush and go figure it out. And, uh, you know, after a while, you kind of try and figure out, like, okay, well, what is this insect's place? And they're like, why is this here? Right. What is it doing? What's its function? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's just kind of that spark of curiosity that always kind of moves me into different places for different series. Right. And so my, my latest thing has been this book that's been going on since 2014 where I've been developing these images um, that are multiple colors, and they just take a really long time wow. to do. Because <laughs> I'm doing like four or five color engravings, and so I have to figure out how all the color goes together. And those, those and then look print amazing, them. by the way. Like, they're Thank you. Amazing. Like, if you all, like, starpointstudio.com, mm-hmm. yeah, you guys go out and check out her work on her website and on Instagram too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's totally just stuff. Yeah, and on yeah. Instagram, it's at starpoint. At starpoint. Price. Okay. And there's an E at the end of starpoint. <laughs> e. <laughs> Don't forget the E. Well, yeah, you're. I I've, I've always enjoyed all of your series, and this one is like mind blowing to me because I mainly due to time and some other factors. I just kind of do one color black and white mm-hmm. uh, prints, but I try to make them as detailed as I possibly can, and they take a wide variety of 
inspiration. Sure. So, like, seeing someone like your work where it's layered colors that just blows my mind. Like, <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> are, these, are these reduction prints or are they just no, separately carved blocks? They're separately carved blocks. I almost never do reduction Okay. because I don't trust that I'm going to pick the right color the first time around. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so this That's... way I can try, and I do, I do like a huge amount of tr- color trial proofs before I decide kind of what it's going to be, so. Right on. That's kind of my fear with reduction. Like, I've always wanted to try it and just mess around with it. Um, and you should. But I have one of these days, knock on wood, um, <laughs> I'll get around to it. Um, I'm just... <laughs> It's been a while since painting, and I don't have my I'm not don't have my strong color theory skills I did have, and so um, one I'll just it's on my bucket list. Yeah. I'll just break out one day, but, um, but yeah, that's so amazing. But um, that is all I had okay, really great. for the podcast interview. Um, do you have any? Anything you, well, you've already mentioned your social media and website. Do you have any shows coming up anytime soon? I have a couple pieces in the Capitol building okay. in, in downtown Frankfurt. Nice. Uh, and I believe that is up until like April 8th or something. Okay. Okay. Um, that's locally. Um, I've got some work over in England somewhere that I don't know at the moment where it is. Oh, hey, look at that. That's been touring around. Yeah. So um, your Instagram is star... At Starpoint Price. At Starpoint Price. Mm-hmm. And the website is starpointstudio.com. And that's where you can find out about Joanne Price. And she's totally amazing. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come down. You're very welcome. And just talk to me about prints on a little podcast I got. Um so I guess I'll do it for this episode. I really appreciate it. You're and we'll see you next time. Peace out, y'all. Bye. I just want to take the time to say thank you to everyone that's tuned in to our podcast. Everyone that's subscribed, everyone that's liked and shared it on social media. It really means a lot to me. If you could comment, rate, or review the podcast, that would really help us. And we'll keep these episodes coming. Thanks again to Joanne Price for coming down. I know she's busy, but make sure you support her by going to her social media and to her website. Also, support us by going to our website. All these links will be in the description. And you can also check it out at BG Printmakers on social media. And you can also go to starpointwithaestudio.com and you can find out about her on Joanne's work on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Really appreciate the support, and thanks again. Happy printing!